Hello everyone and welcome to the Teacher Forest Podcast. In today's second episode, we're going to look at a talk that I gave a month ago to a group of science teachers who were interested in learning new pedagogies inside the classroom. In this talk of mine, I shared some new and interesting insights on inquiry learning, a topic that I'm really interested in, and also using technology to support learning and teaching inside a science classroom. So good morning everyone and it's a pleasure to be with you, fellow teachers also. So once again, I'm Alfonso Maguba, you can just call me Alfonso. And today we'll be talking about inquiry and technology inside the classroom. So this talk, we'll be, talk, we'll be looking at different ways, or sorry, we'll be looking at inquiry learning inside our classroom. We'll also look at the different models of inquiry learning and how I also use inside my classroom. From there, we move on to how can we integrate technology in the classroom so that we can further complement inquiry and technology, especially in today's 21st century classroom. And lastly, we'll look at different applications or technologies that we can use to support inquiry inside our classroom. So my first question actually is, what is inquiry learning? When I first started teaching, I, well, I did not know what inquiry learning was. Um, my classroom was always a teacher-centered classroom. I was at the center, all of the information came from me, or from the textbooks that I read, or the resources that I gathered. My students were not allowed to ask questions, or my students were, sorry, not allowed, but more of, they were not motivated to ask questions. But then I moved to a different school setting wherein I worked with an IT school, an international baccalaureate school. And in this school setting, I learned all about inquiry learning. And it got me thinking about, wow, this method of learning actually places students at the center of the classroom. It actually makes them the, the consumers and producers of knowledge. So instead of the classroom being um, the focus of the, uh, instead of the teacher being the focus of the classroom, it was now the student. And because of this, I started learning and studying all about inquiry learning. And so I came up with this definition on my own, with this, with the studies that I read and the people I interacted with in terms of inquiry. So inquiry is an approach to teaching and learning wherein we put our questions and the students' questions at the center of our classroom. So the whole premise of inquiry learning is for students to ask questions which would become the basis of their learning. So instead of relying on a textbook, our students are, question, are asking questions and as a teacher, it is my job to ensure that I direct them to different resources, to different people, and to different ways on how they can learn best. Because now I don't think um, the student should be doing what everything that the teacher should be saying them to do or telling them to do. But I think now that our students who are creative, imaginative, critical thinkers, and collaborative, with inquiry learning, we allow our students to produce this knowledge and to create their own understanding as well. 
So here I'm starting, I will show you some models of inquiry learning that I've encountered. So the first one is the five E's inquiry model. So we have engage, explore, explain, elaborate, and evaluate. And um, I think I, I heard some mumblings here, and I think that they, you're familiar with it. So yes, this is very much applicable to science classes. I believe the Ministry of Education of Singapore also uses this in their science classes. And then on the next slide, or sorry, on the next part of the um, of the slide, we can see Trevor McKenzie's model or process of inquiry, wherein he has the four pillars of learning, which tap into the passions and the ideas of students. And from there, they would come up with essential questions a proposal plan, um, exploration and research, collection of learning evidence, creating authentic pieces, and a public display of understanding. So you can see from the start that already our students, the first part of this whole process is that students have to ask questions. So it shouldn't be the teacher anymore. It should come from the students because curiosity from the students will be the one that drives inquiry. So these are some of the models that I've studied and I've used. But there is one model that I've used religiously ever since I started working on inquiry learning. And this is Kath Murdoch's inquiry cycle. So Kath Murdoch is an Australian who works for different Australian and even different Asian schools in the Asia Pacific. I had the honor of meeting her um, a year ago, and she was able to enlighten me some more on the, her inquiry cycle. And in this inquiry cycle, you will see that there are still the different phases. We have the tuning in, finding out, sorting out, going further, making conclusions, and taking action. But what this model stands out among the different models that I just presented is that at the center of it all is reflection. So our students who are going through this inquiry process, they are constantly asked to reflect on their learning. Not just on the value of their learning, but also on the value of the learning of their peers and also of the experts that we bring inside the classroom. And so I will present to you some of, or I will present to you her inquiry cycle in essence. So the first part is the tuning in. And in the tuning in, we have our students think about their tensions, their provocations. This is the moment wherein we have our students ask questions. In our science classes, we could post a picture of a cell wall before it start, or it's not of a cell wall, but of a cell, an animal and a plant cell, but not telling them what is the difference. And in this tuning in, we'd have our students just simply observe and think about what they're seeing for the first time. And at, the, and at this point, we begin to ask them, so what do you observe? What interests you? What challenges you with this idea? And from here, our students begin asking questions, which will now drive our inquiry. And with those questions, we begin to find out. And in our finding out, especially in our science classrooms, this is the part that our students love. The experiments that we do, the field trips that we go to, and even sometimes we can invite resource speakers, experts, to educate our students as well. And from this finding out, 
our students begin to start answering the questions that they had asked earlier on. So with all of this new information, it's important that we let our students think about their learning. So we have to have them stop first and have them sort out this information. So this is the time that we can start giving them formative assessments. So in the sorting out, we would give them, let's say, a graphic organizer for them to categorize their information. So instead of giving the traditional pen and paper quiz or the five items on a one-fourth sheet of paper, we could have them do a, graphic, a mind map of their learning. We could have them do a simple presentation, like a short video, or even a demonstration of a new skill that they learned in science, such as using the microscope, or how to um, transfer one chemical to another um, chemical, etc. And it is in this sorting out that we allow our students to bring out the misconceptions, because it is at this point that we let ourselves become the teacher. So at this point, we can say, oops, I caught a misconception. So let me teach you something new. Let me teach you a new idea, a new concept, or a new skill that would address those misconceptions. And from time to time, with our students and their natural curiosity, um, there is a tendency for our students to go further. So this, at this point, Kafmer Dot says that this is an optional part of the inquiry phase. But sometimes there are students who are really eager to know more, and we won't, and we shouldn't allow them. I'm sorry, we should allow them to explore those inquiries that they still have. Your burning questions or those that nagging feeling that I cannot end the science, this science unit unless I go further. And so, as teachers, we have to give them the opportunity to do so. But more often than not because our students are sometimes shy or sometimes they don't want to um, work or think anymore, they won't want to do that going further. But oftentimes there will, but sometimes there will be that one student who is still interested to go further. And so from this new information that they gathered, they will now have to think about taking action. So with the lessons that they learned and the new skills that they have, it's important that they bring out these things in the, inside the classroom. So here our students can come up with little projects. So if you have a unit on the environment, maybe they can do an infographic or a poster about how to protect our environment or how to ensure that we don't waste the electricity inside our classroom. So in taking action, it is using the knowledge and transforming it into a concrete and complete action that is seen and beneficial to the immediate community. If they can bring it out to the wider community, why not? That's actually the best part of the inquiry. And so, with taking action, it is inevitable that we have to end the unit and make sure that our students come up with conclusions to their new understanding. So in this part of the inquiry phase, Students have to think back to the first questions that they ask in the tuning in. And in this part, they will begin to think, oh, so this is the misconception they had, that I had at the start of my unit. Now, these are the new things that I realized. And with that, you can see there is a new change. 
in the way we understand or the way they understand things, the way their perspective has changed. And you can see also the, the skills that have moved from the basic to the complex. And with that, this is the inquiry cycle of Kath Murdoch. So now the next question that you all, sorry, here, here are some pictures of my students. So you can see the, um, my students are actively engaged in the research process. So after every experiment that we do, we would have um, researchers. So this is where we would have them do sorting out activities. So I'd have them do mind maps, graphic, um, mind maps, concept webs. Sometimes I'd ask them to do a short quiz as well that I, that I made online. Then we would also go outside of our classroom so that they can observe natural phenomena, especially if our unit is all about the environment. And then, some, and then here we have another where we use a data logger. And unfortunately, um, our data logger was not working at that time, so I asked them to download an app so that they could measure the sound that was produced because um, the data logger was not working. So our, my students had a lot of fun with that activity. So now the next question is, where does technology fit in inquiry learning? And I think this is an apt question because with science, it naturally lends itself to inquiry and technology also naturally lends itself to science learning. And so in my work as an Apple Distinguished Educator and as, a, as an enthusiast of educational technology, I started learning about the different ways we can integrate technology inside the classroom. This is a model of, of integrating technology by Dr. Ruben Puentadura. It is called the SAMR model, S-A-M-R. And the goal of the SAMR model is to allow technology from being a simple task to becoming a complex activity. So the sole focus of the SAMR model is for technology to start off as an enhancement of learning, which will later on spiral to become a transformation of it. And if you will look at the definition of each letter in the SAMR model, you can see that there is change as it progresses. So now this model will become the basis of how we can start thinking about using technology inside the classroom and also how technology will naturally lend itself to inquiry learning. So here I have some samples of summer models used inside the classroom. So let's take, an let's take this example, cell structures. So at its most basic, we would just have our students or teachers themselves look for Google images of plant and animal cells related. So this is what we're already doing inside the classroom. But then if we were to push ourselves further and augment it with technology, so we can start exploring cell structures using different applications inside, or sorry, different applications online. And one of that was Power My Learning like inside the cell, where students can now interact with the cell model by looking at the different structures and seeing the functions as well. Then we won't stop here because now we look at the modification. Using Google Docs and Google Draw, students can now create their own um, cell diagram. 
they can they're now transforming their learning. So instead of just looking at it and interacting it one dimensionally or two dimensionally, now they are modifying it to suit their own um, ideas while while at the same time keeping the concept of cell structures um, important. And the last one would be a simple presentation. But instead of just presenting a cell model, our students instead can say, instead of a cell, we can liken the cell to this kind of structure in our society. And at the end of it, the best presentation will be, will be posted on a, an Edmodo site. So Edmodo is a learning management system. It's like the Facebook of science or for teaching. And here we have another summer model. So students will view a video on the properties of water found in Discovery Education. Then the teacher will provide a Google Doc where the student will just answer questions in that Google Doc that they can research online. Then with the modification and re redefinition, we can now see that there is more collaboration happening that students are now working on a, on a Google document or a Google slide that would showcase what they've learned so far. And in the R, we'll see students presenting their research and also creating their own experiments. Um, just to pause for a while, I, when I was doing this, I came across a video by a fellow Apple Distinguished Educator. His name is Paul Hamilton, and he posted a video of the properties or the cycle of water on his YouTube channel. So what made it different was that he used an app called AR Maker, M-A-K-R, and he was able to show that through augmented reality, our students with their tablets can actually see an actual water cycle right before their eyes. So just think for the students and get really excited because they were able to create this augmented reality simulation for their water cycle future. And the last one, atomic structures. So you can see that we still have the basic, from the basic to the complex as well. So now that I've presented some different um, ways that we can use technology or some ideas, lesson ideas for um, our classroom, I'm now going to present you some of the apps that I've used inside my classroom to support inquiry learning. Majority of these applications are free to download, um, except for Padlet. Padlet now comes, now you, have not, you now have to pay for Padlet. But when you sign up for Padlet, you're given three walls to start off, and then once you reach the limit of your Padlet wall, then you have to pay or you have to delete your own wall. But with Flipgrid, this is now my favorite app because it's um, an online video recording platform. So every time my students do their finding out or their sorting out, I have them go to my Flipgrid page. And ask, and on that Flipgrid page, there would be a simple question there. What did you learn today? Or what three things bug you and you want to learn more about in the next session? So on this Flipgrid, they would just simply open the app, the question is there, and then they can record themselves um, talking about their experiences 
or they can even use it to show a demonstration of the new science experiment that they did. I particularly love this app because it allows students from the quietest to the loudest student to actually talk about their learning. So it's um, it could be individual or it could be a group work as well. And then the, my, the next few apps are with Canva. Um, with Canva, this is perfect for our sorting out because we could allow, or the app allows our students to create logos, infographics, posters, and different presentations as well. And the beauty of this is that our students are no longer limited to pen and paper. So for students who are artistically inclined and have graduated from um, pencil and paper, they can use Canva. And the beauty of this is that our students, I would always be amazed by the technological prowess of my students. They're always amazing. They're always um, amazing. Okay. Then we, sorry. So here we have Google Classroom. Um, Google Classroom is a learning management system, and I found that it's very useful for sending out homework, um, assigning group tasks, even grading. So instead of your student saying, teacher, sorry, I forgot to do my homework, I can now say, you can say that you forgot because it's on Google Classroom. And with Google Classroom, I can link different Google applications even Flipgrid, Padlet walls, do it so that my students are constantly or are always there and available. So even if I'm absent, I can just post something on Google Classroom and they would still work on the task. And the best part is I can monitor if they have submitted or not and I can inform their parents because their parents would be involved also in the Google Classroom. And I would say, ma'am, sir, your son or your child has not been working on the science project for quite some time. So please check the Google Classroom. So at least now there's an accountability on the parent side. So when it comes to PTCs, there are no more surprises. And next one are for this Keynote and Pages. So um, this situation might not be applicable for all schools, but for some students inside my classroom who bring their own iPads, I especially love the new feature of Keynote and Pages where they can use their Apple Pencil or even their fingers to draw on, their, um, on, on this app. And you will see, or if you go online, you will see a lot of examples wherein students use Keynote or let's say PowerPoint to create wonderful presentations. Sometimes these presentations you think, was this actually made on Keynote or was this, or is this an actual movie software already? So with that, we look at technology and inquiry inside the classroom. So here are, so here are some of the pictures of my students working. You can see them using Padlet as a, as a reflection tool. Then on the top right, you'll see my student, she's using her iPad to use clips. To use clips, um, I had them come up with a short video presentation of what they were learning. Here, my student is using Google Docs to collaborate with his uh, classmates. And then at the, top, at, the lower, at the low left, FEP, my favorite app for science classes, because you can see 
Um, you can manipulate different forces, you can also create different atomic models. So I was very thankful. I was thankful enough to find this application. And with all of this technology, so these are some of the works of my students. And here you can see that they were able to use Padlet effectively because they were able to write um, short or sometimes brief reflections which captured their learning. And because of Padlet and since it's always there, I can already see which students have or which what misconceptions are those from their responses, which I could um, address during our next session. Here you have a small infographic wherein my students are now making sense of the information that they gather. And then at the bottom part, an energy mind map wherein two, I think two or three students worked on this, wherein one student was in charge of talking about gravitational potential energy, another for kinetic energy, and another for chemical potential energy. And the beauty about this is that I can see who is working and who is not working. And more than that accountability, you can see that students are creating connections with, the, with their learnings and with their understanding together. So technology is no longer one where it's the individual, it is now a collaborative effort. So I'm going to talk about how pollution affects plants and animals. Air pollution causes global warming, which heats up our environment and also causes climate change. When we use electricity, we generate greenhouse gases, which contributes to the pro this problem. It increases the intensity of natural disasters, which can ruin animals' homes, and also evaporates more water, which can strip plants and animals from it, which they use to survive. Water pollution. Litter can be eaten by animals. And animals like birds' wings can get soaked by the oil and make it hard to fly. It stops also fish from moving easily. Pollutants can contain dangerous chemicals which can affect the animal negatively. This also goes for land pollution. Land pollution can cause respiratory problems when, when in contact. It can also have harmful effects on animals. It also pollutes where animals live and where plants flourish. I think that all innovations are good, but all of them are only good in intention. Some of them can be bad in consequence. For example, Einstein's idea of nuclear power was good in intention because it tried to provide a new source of renewable electricity, but it was bad in practice, or sorry, not bad in practice, bad in um, consequence, because it was eventually used for bombs and missiles. So for me, science innovations are also good because some people live in like provinces where they don't have much money or much resources for clean water. So some people have invent have invented water filters that cost that are cheap and that can be used with everyday materials like rocks, cotton, and gravel. And they have made people's lives better by giving them clean water to drink and to use. All innovations can also be good in, well, how they're supposed to be used. For example, all innovations are good because they usually provide more help for science um, growth and help to the communities, governments, and nations of the earth. Um, they also help us explore and therefore find out new things to better 
our work in the future. Um, some innovations are also bad because they can backfire on its purpose. Like, for example, a stove. A stove is used to heat up food, and it's to yeah. And um, it can backfire by heating the material too hard or the food, the food too hard, and uh, it will get burnt. So in my opinion, science innovations are both good and bad because they can be used to make life better in the future and as well as in the present, but it's also bad because it can have flaws and it can it could also backfire on the user. Okay, so those were some of my students' reflections when they talked about the innovations in, and its effect on man's society and then the effects of pollution on man's environment. So you can see that with these apps, my students are making use of what they've learned inside the, inside the classroom, and they're coming up with their own opinions and ideas as well. With Flipgrid, I'm able to also give feedback on their comments or on their opinions, and which allows them to also rethink what they've learned as well. So with different apps inside the classroom, we are able to um, create a classroom wherein our students are naturally inquisitive. And because of this, our students are able to collaborate with one another. There is now accountability inside the classroom. There is also that pursuit of critical thinking, analysis as well. And with these apps, if utilized effectively and properly, you would be amazed with the way our students create new understanding and new learning. And at the end of it all, our students who use, my students who use these apps, they're able to come up with project ideas that would become, that would be beneficial to the school community. Like as a result of our learning in different environments, my student did a study on what are the different plants that would allow, um, that would help cool down the school. So she used different natural plants that were found here in the Philippines and she tested whether um, these plants actually cooled down the cafeteria because during that time our cafeteria was open so it was really hot and she realized that um, it's a struggle for them to eat inside the cafeteria. And with that, she was able to come up with this um, idea that maybe we should add more plants inside the school, and that these school and that these plants are that these ex plants are um, good substitutes for an air conditioning unit. So before I end my talk, I'd like to just end with a short video from Apple, wherein we really have to think about how technology can be used to supplement and complement what we are doing. Settle, settle please, eyes up here. Eyes up here, we're not done. Group three, let's have Ivy and Michael, uh, Ryan, Sally, and Thomas. Thomas, your homework is to explore gravity. Okay, um, don't forget, projects are due on Friday. Friday, please. Friday, and don't forget your homework. Homework. Oh, homework. I hate you. You stink. I wish I could wash you away in the sink. You guys ready? 
If only a hippo would smash you to bits. Homework. Oh, homework. Do we get it? Do we get it? You're giving me fits. I'd rather take baths with a man-eating shark or wrestle a lion alone in the dark, eat spinach in the liver, pet ten porcupines, then tackle the homework my teacher assigns.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Teacher Forest Podcast. I'd like to say thank you to the following people and resources who've made this presentation possible. Kath Murdoch and her book, The Power of Inquiry. Trevor McKenzie and his book, Dive Into Inquiry. Apple for their video on homework. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I hope to hear from you soon.